0: You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, episode 145 How to Make Reading with Your Kids More Fun and Less Stressful. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30 minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. I'm a former high school English teacher, so it probably comes as no surprise that I love reading to my kids. I always say that books are my secret weapon to get through their hard behaviors, and this is especially true for my oldest child who loves stories as much as I do. When he was little, if he was throwing a tantrum, I would simply sit on the ground and start reading a favorite storybook aloud, and he would stop crying and run over to sit in my lap to read. It was like magic. Now that he's older, I read aloud to him when I can tell he needs connection with me, or if I'm trying to calm him down when he's agitated or worked up. Just a few months ago when he fell off his scooter at the park and got some really bad road rash, he was crying so hard that he wouldn't let me clean the cuts. He couldn't calm himself down and he couldn't be reasoned with. So I turned on Harry Potter on Audible and laid next to him and stroked his hair until he calmed a little. And then I got up and took care of his cuts while he was engrossed in the story. Magic, I tell you, magic. It was quite a surprise to me when my second child wasn't as naturally and immediately engrossed in stories as her big brother. She has a really active, playful temperament, and she always wants to be up and going, so it's harder for her to sit in my lap and read. It was then that I realized that sometimes you need to employ some strategies to enjoy reading with your kids. It's not a given that all kids will love being read to by their parents, just as it's not a given that all parents will love reading to their kids. Whether you love reading to your kids or it's a real struggle for you, I know you're going to get some amazing tips from this week's episode. Our guest is Jansen Bradshaw, who is a former elementary school librarian with a master's degree in library and information studies. She now stays home with her four daughters and runs the blog Everyday Reading, which helps parents make reading an enjoyable, simple part of their family life. And just a quick note, you're going to hear a little bit of her little girl in the background during this episode, because it's hard for a mama to find a quiet spot during a pandemic, even in your office with the door closed, which is where Jansen was recording. But I told Jansen not to worry because this audience of moms gets it. I can't wait for you to hear this super fun episode with her. But first, a quick announcement... I mentioned in last week's episode that the third birthday of 3 and 30 is coming up in October. I'm excited to host the My 3 and 30 campaign again this year to celebrate. The idea for this campaign came when, shortly before the first birthday of the show, a listener told me that one day her sister texted her out of the blue and asked, If you were a guest on 3 and 30, what would your three takeaways be? Isn't that the best question ever? My friend said it really got her thinking about her unique experiences and gifts, and I hope that this podcast is inspiring women all over the world to ask themselves this question and consider what their unique insights and experiences are. So I decided to make it a tradition that every year when the birthday of the podcast rolled around, I would challenge women in this community to consider what their three unique takeaways might be and share them on social media and or at a gathering with their in-real-life friends. Why am I telling you this now when it's still August? Well, first of all, you can start thinking now about what your three takeaways might be and get ready to share them when the time comes. But more than that, if you're interested in being featured in an audio clip in an episode of 3 in 30, you can record your takeaways now and send them to me because I'm going to compile a crowdsourced My 3 in 30 episode to air as a kickoff to this campaign in October. If you'd like to be considered to be part of that episode, please email your audio clip to hello at 3 and 30 podcastcom by September 15th so we have time to pull everything together for the October birthday. A full list of instructions on how to record your audio clip, including some ideas to get you started thinking about your unique takeaways, is on my website at 3 30 podcastcom forward slash birthday. I'll put the link in the show notes and please don't be shy. I truly believe that every one of us has unique expertise and insights that will bless the world and ourselves when we share them. I've also compiled a couple of these My 3 and 30 episodes in the past, which I will link in the show notes if you want to listen to get some ideas. So go to 3in30podcast.com forward slash birthday for more info and get excited for October. It's going to be an incredible month. And now onto the show, here's my conversation about reading with Jansen Bradshaw. Jansen, welcome to 3 and 30.
1: I am so thrilled to be here. Thanks for having
0: me. I'm so excited to talk to you about books. Before we started recording, we were talking a little bit about how the world is a bit heavy and crazy right now with COVID and school starting and elections, and I'm just so relieved to be talking about something so fun as reading today instead of some of that heavier stuff.
1: Yes, right there with you. Yeah,
0: And we are going to talk today about how to make reading with our kids more fun and less stressful. And I guess I just wanted to start by having a little bit of context for why does reading with our kids even matter as far as like, why should we learn this skill and the strategy to get better at it with our kids?
1: That is such a good place to start that I think often we skip right over. So you've probably heard or read hundreds of studies that talk about, you know, how important reading to your child is from the time they're young and how it helps them academically and emotionally and, you know, creating strong bonds with their parents. So there's just all these benefits that come with reading to your kids. Mm-hmm. I think a couple of reasons that I personally think that parents reading to their kids are really important. One, you have the ability as a parent to make positive associations with reading from the very beginning Mm -hmm. for your child. I mean, reading, as you know, as a teacher, as a parent, is so fundamental to education in general. I mean, your child's whole life is going to be easier or harder, depending on how easy or hard reading is for them in school, because everything is Mm -hmm. so based on reading. And so if you can set way before you ever get to that kindergarten, first grade, second grade, where they're really learning the skills of reading, helping them have positive associations with reading and books, Mm -hmm. that puts them on a trajectory that's totally different than if they only see reading as hard. I mean, most of us, if you're a big reader, which I know you are, Rachel, and I am, I don't love to read because I love phonics or I love sounding out words. You know, I'm not like, can't wait to open this book and sound out some words. You know, I love to read because it's interesting, because it's engaging, because it's, uh, you know, sparks my imagination, takes me to a different world, all of those things. And so my goal is always to give my kids a really solid foundation of that love of reading and that love Mm. of stories and books so that when all of them have to cross that bridge of learning the actual skill of reading themselves that's hard and that takes a lot of patience and a lot of work and for lots of kids that's multiple years so I want while they're crossing that bridge of that hard work of reading for them to understand how fun and great reading is and Mm. that it can kind of carry them through that learning curve
0: Yes, I think that's so important. And it's been such a relief to me as a mom when I hear elementary school teachers say, just keep reading to them. You don't need to do anything else other than read to them as far as like the phonics and all of that, because I thought that I would enjoy teaching my kids to read. But the minute that I sat down and tried to do that with Noah, I really did not enjoy it because he pushed back and all of that. And his teacher said, "Don't even like, just read to him. You want to maintain that connection with him and that love of reading together, and we'll take care of the rest." And I was just so grateful for that. So I didn't feel guilt around, "Am I not doing the right things with him educationally?" It was just such a relief to hear, "Just keep reading to him, and he'll be okay."
1: Yes, absolutely. And I think sometimes it's just really helpful. I'm going to say one of those things that you hear, you know, you know, actually, but sometimes it's just helpful to hear it. Lots of kids, most kids, I actually did a survey on this on Instagram a couple of weeks ago, 95% of my audience said that their kids learn better from another adult than they do from the parent. So just because you know how to read and maybe you've even taught reading and I had lots of teachers send me messages saying like, I'm an amazing reading teacher. I can teach anyone how to read except my own children who will not (laughs) learn to read from me.
0: Well, that really is reassuring. I'm glad you said that because, yeah, and that's going to be tough this year because a lot of us are in positions where this year we are going to have to be more involved in our kids' education and forcing them to do more of this phonic type stuff or just any academic skills in all of the subjects that may not be that well received from our kids. And then the last thing we want is for it to cause disconnection in our relationship and for it to be a battle. And so I am really grateful that we're going to air this episode now where you have these concrete tools and strategies to make it a little more fun and enjoyable. So moms can use this if they are homeschooling this year, if they are distance learning this year, they can use some of these strategies to make it easier with their kids. I hope so. Yes. So let's just jump right in to your first takeaway.
1: Perfect. So my first takeaway, this, I feel so strongly about this. I just have to say that before I even tell you what takeaway number one is. And that is pick books that are fun for you. To read with your kids. Mm. I I think it's easy to feel like, oh, any book is a good book. Some books are not that fun to read. My girls, my littlest girls, when we go to the library, they want to grab every Paw Patrol book, every Barbie book, every strawberry shortcake book. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, you read those and you think, who even wrote these? These like have no plot. They're so dumb. (laughs) Those are not fun for me to read to my kids. And so they know they can check out as many of, of them as they want. But I'm not going to read those to them. They can look through them on their own. They can finagle maybe my husband or uh, <laughs> an older sibling to read to them. But when I read with them, I mean read books that are fun and interesting and engaging for me also, mm-hmm. because it's very hard to maintain something as a parent that's really laborious or boring or horrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like if you're working out, you say, let's pick something that I actually like to do. If you hate to run, it's going to be hard to push yourself out the door to go running, right? If you find out you really love like a dance class or walking with friends or whatever that is, it's gonna be much easier to sustain And If you pick books that are really great that you're enjoying, it's gonna be much easier to read with your kids.
0: Yes, amen to that. And there are so many really amazing options that you don't need to just default to strawberry shortcake, or these (laughs) other I mean, there's, children's books that are incredibly well done, beautiful messages and they're literature, even though they're little short books. And if moms just don't even know where to start with that, I think they could probably ask the librarian if they're at the public library for some suggestions. Also, do you have a resource on your blog that we could point people to for like a great book list?
1: Yes, absolutely. So every summer, I think this was the seventh year maybe that I've done this, I put together a list of a hundred picture books that I really love. And one thing I want to say is everyone's taste is totally different and that's fine. I mean, just like in movies, not everyone likes an action movie. Not everybody likes a rom com. You know, we all have our own kind of tastes and what we like. So, you know, when I recommend books on my blog and on Instagram, I have certain kinds of books that I really love. I love a A book that's a little bit funny really appeals to me. I like certain kinds of artwork. So, you know, you may look at what I recommend and think like, "Mm, her taste is very different. Like I would say actually like my mom is a huge reader, but her picture book taste is very different than mine. She likes wordier picture books. Mm. I like ones that are a little bit less text. You know, and I have friends who are big readers who are like, oh, I love a picture book with a lot of text because then I can read two or three to my kids instead of six or seven if I'm going to read for 30 minutes, I'd rather read 10 picture books that take up 30 minutes than three picture books that take up 30 minutes. And that's just my personal preference. So, and like anything, the more you get into it, the more you'll kind of recognize, oh, I love this author. Oh, I love this illustration style. You know, so at this point, I can usually pick up a picture book and know within a page or two if it's going to be one that I like. Mm. I, I didn't know that 15 years ago because I didn't look at that many picture books.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I do think that what you're saying here lends to the idea of finding a book mentor almost. If, if you don't know where to start with it, finding somebody whose tastes you really align with and kind of going with their recommendations for a while and as you're getting into it. Hopefully, eventually, you'll just be able to do this on your own. But so finding an Instagrammer who does book lists and recommendations and seeing if your tastes kind of match up and then you can trust that. And just the idea that not everybody is for everybody, if that makes sense.
1: Absolutely. I think that that makes all the difference. And if you're having a positive experience reading with your kids, that is gonna be generally a positive experience because Mm -hmm. you're enjoying it. And I remember when I was maybe 10 or 11, my mom read to us every night, almost my entire growing up, even through high school. And we were reading a book called Beauty by Robin McKinley. I don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with it. It's yes. mm-hmm. fantastic. Anyway, so she was reading. Yeah, but t-
0: tell the listeners <laughs> just so they know <laughs> what, what's the premise of it.
1: So it's a Beauty and the Beast retelling mm-hmm. that is phenomenal. It's just so good. And I woke up in the middle of the night, probably like 1 or 2 a.m., and my bedroom door was open and the hall light was on and my mom was sitting in the hallway on the floor reading ahead. I mean, it was just so good that after she'd finished reading to us, she wanted to keep reading. That was obviously (laughs) a book she was really into. And actually I read it to my girls earlier this year and it's only like five chapters long, but every chapter is probably like 50 to 70 pages long. It's about a 200-ish page book maybe my math wasn't right. Mm -hmm. That was too much math for me on the fly there, but somewhere around 200 pages, but five (laughs) chapters. We read it in like six days because we were all so into it that, you know, usually I would not read 50 to 60 pages at night in one go.
0: And we just like,
1: couldn't stop. We're like, have to read to the end of the chapter. And so that's such a fun shared experience when you're all really into it and you're not doing anybody any favors if you're you know pushing through a book that you're like i hate reading this barney book or paw patrol or you know whatever it is mm-hmm. um nobody wins there. Cause you don't want to read. You'll make every excuse. I got to go clean the bathroom so that I don't have to uh, read this book aloud to you. Whereas if it's something you're really into, you're going to make time for it.
0: Yes. And I love that story about your mom, because I just feel like what we model for our kids is really powerful too. And you had no doubt that your mom loved to read and that it wasn't just something that she was kind of doing as an act.
1: Yes, exactly. Not just something to check off at night.
0: Yes. And I have a really tender memory of my mom who also loved to read. And really, that was important to her as something that she did with us. When I was six, my mom had a bone marrow transplant. She had breast cancer. And so she uh, was in the hospital for three months. And one of the things that she did was she recorded our favorite storybooks on cassette tapes for us. And I think that that's just such like a testament to how much she loved it, how much she knew we loved it, and that she knew how connected it made us feel. And she wanted us to still have her voice reading us those books. And that was before it was easy to do that. Like now you just pull out your phone and you do like a voice memo or something. But this was in 1990. And she like got my dad's old dictaphone and cassette tapes and recorded these stories for us. And like what a treasured memory that is.
1: I love that. Do you still have those?
0: I don't think we have them, which is so sad. We have some others, like she recorded at that time, she recorded us a tape for our 13th birthdays because she didn't know if she would still be living. And she was still living on our 13th birthdays, but she gave the cassette tapes to us anyway. And I still have that with her voice on it. She has since passed away. She passed away when I was 19. But it's it was such a treasure. And I wish we still had those stories books, but we don't. But I have the memory that she cared about me enough to do that, which I think is really powerful.
1: I just love that. That's so sweet.
0: Yes. And and I will say, I teach a workshop called Declutter Your Motherhood, where I teach women to kind of eliminate their shoulds, all the things that are weighing heavily on them that they think they should be doing with their kids and to ask themselves, do I even really want to do this? Like, why do I think that I should be doing this? And my sister-in-law actually was at one of them and she sheepishly admitted out loud that one thing that she didn't like doing was reading to her kids. And she's like, is that bad? Is that, you know, and and we brainstormed with her, like, you could have your husband do it. You could get audiobooks. Like, you don't need to hold yourself to this should just because, you know, other people say it's important. But what was interesting is that she then came back to me later and said, I realized that the problem was the books I was reading to them. And once I got some good recommendations of some good books, I actually really enjoy it now. And so that was the key that shifted that for her.
1: I love that. Along those same lines, I just want to mention: I think thinking outside the box. What are other? What is my real goal here, and how can I accomplish that um, in maybe a different way than I've thought about? One of my friends mentioned to me a couple of months ago. She's a huge reader on her own, but she said she has two kids, and she said I actually realized I hate to read aloud. She said, so I just pick the books I want to read with them. I buy them on Audible and then we snuggle in bed together and I mm. scratch their back or, you know, we just listen and we just listen together. And, you know, they're still getting that time with a the parent. They're still listening yes. to these amazing books and they're still like getting all the benefits of being read to. She mm-hmm. just doesn't have to actually read that. And I was like, that is so smart that she figured out what's the problem here and how can I solve it in a, unique, creative way.
0: Yeah. And just embracing who she was instead of forcing herself into this box of a good mom does this. So instead of saying, well, I do want them to be read to, I don't want to do it, but I want to have that time with them. So what's another solution that we could come yes. up with? Exactly. And honestly, I mean, books like Harry Potter, I'm like, I don't want to read it aloud to him because the narration is so good that I would rather just listen to Jim Dale do it instead of reading it to him, you know? So we have fun listening to that together. Totally. Okay. And then what's your second takeaway?
1: Okay. So this goes right along with the first one, which is don't be afraid to quit a book. I think that is really hard as a parent to feel like, you know, that it's okay to let your kids quit. So it feels like you're saying like, Oh, I'm just going to let you be a quitter, you know? And if something's hard, we just give it up. And I think like you said about your sister-in-law, sometimes it's just not the right book. And what I never want to do for my kids is make them feel like it's very risky to start a book. So you imagine if someone said to you, Rachel, I have this great show. I think you should watch. But if you watch the first five minutes of it on Netflix, you're committed to watching all eight seasons of this. You'd be like, I'm never turning on any show. That's way too risky. Like, I'm not going to commit that kind of time without knowing if I like it. And as a kid, you're still learning Mm -hmm. what kind of things do I like? Do I like fantasy? Do I like historical fiction? Do I like action? Do I like, you know, classics or, you know, whatever that is? And so part of that involves reading some books that you're going to say, this is just not for me. And so I think as a parent, if you will both for yourself as a reader and as your kids are becoming readers, let them know it's okay to get partway through a book and say, this just is not for me and I'm not gonna waste any more time on this. I'm gonna spend the time finding a book that I like more.
0: mm Yeah. And it's such a great life principle, too. I mean, we want to teach our kids to stick it out, like you said, and to not be quitters. But it's also okay to teach them that they can have personal preferences and they can sort of mold their life in the way that they spend their time around their interests and that that's okay.
1: Absolutely. And I think kind of uh, along those same lines, I get a lot of questions from parents who have kids, especially like I would say maybe like second to sixth grade and they say things like you know my child keeps starting books but never finishes them mm. i i think as a reader starting a new book is always hard you know when you read a book and you have like a book hangover and you're like nothing is ever going to be as good as this book again and mm. it it's hard to start something new and anytime you start a new book you're getting dumped in a new location with new characters new dialogue that you don't know anything about and it takes a little bit to orient yourself mm. so I think lots of kids and probably frankly, adults to give up on a book too quickly, because that first chapter is just usually not that fun, maybe even two chapters. So one of the things that I recommend a lot to parents, if their child has that trouble, is to read that first chapter to with them, kind of help them get oriented, you know, otherwise, you feel like you just got dumped in a city you've never been to. And they're like, go find the best stuff. You're like, could someone like show me around a little bit and help me get oriented before I'm left on my own? And I think as a parent, we could do that for our children by reading the first chapter or two together and kind of, okay, here's the characters. Here's the main, you know, the, the basic plot. And, and now I'm going to read it. Like when you ask me about beauty, if I just say, oh, Beauty by Robin McKinley is so good. You're kind of like, oh, okay. But if I tell you a little bit about the story, here's kind of what to expect. Here's some things I really like about it. It's going to be easier for you to pick that up because you're a little bit oriented to it.
0: Yes, for sure. And I think about I did this when I was a high school English teacher. And you may think like your high schoolers are too old to be read aloud to, but they're not. And all the research shows that it does really benefit them to be read aloud to still. But I would do that even in my classroom when we were starting a new book. I remember like the first chapter of of Mice and Men. It's this really long, long description of the setting.
1: Yes. And that's most books, right? That first chapter is like setting it all.
0: Yeah. And you're like, what in the world? Especially Steinbeck. Like it's (laughs) just, and- I would read that first chapter aloud with them and we would talk about why would he have included this much information about the setting? There's actually a lot of symbols woven in here. We would talk about that. And then we talk about the, they introduced George and Lenny in that first chapter. So we talk a little bit about the character development and I just felt like it got them, like exactly what you said, it got them oriented. They call it like scaffolding in education. You're creating kind of a ladder for them to be able to approach this new book or concept. So even if you have a high schooler that has a book assigned to them for a class, but they're struggling with it, you may just consider reading those first few chapters with them and kind of talking them through it and discussing and explaining, and then they'll be able to do it on their own after that.
1: Totally. I had a similar experience when I was an elementary school librarian at this new school, and all the different grades would come in, and almost all of the fourth and fifth graders didn't check out any books. They're like, no, I don't want anything. And I was like, hmm, this is, I, I don't feel like I'm doing my job if nobody's walking out of here with a book. Mm. So Massachusetts does a state book list every year for like third to sixth graders. So I got a copy of each one of those books. And then every week for the last like 10 minutes, I would read them the first chapter or so of one of those books. And None of those books were ever on my shelf again the whole rest of the year. Everyone wanted to check them out once they had some sort of introduction to it and kind of got past those first couple of pages. Mm. I mean, and I think as adults, it's the same thing. Those first chapters are just hard, even if you read a lot. Because it's a new book every time that you cut. I mean, that's why series are so popular mm. in general. And especially for kids is because once you've read the first one, you know, you don't have to be reintroduced to Harry Potter and Hogwarts and Dumbledore and the whole thing.
0: All the characters and yeah.
1: Yes. You, you're, you could jump right into the story and the part that's really enjoyable rather than the like trying to get that scaffolding in place.
0: Yes. Yes. Oh, that's such a brilliant tip that I hope will help a lot of parents as they go into the school year as well. So thank you for adding that. And then what's the third takeaway.
1: So my third takeaway is let your kids move while you read. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the time, and you know, you mentioned at the beginning that your daughter is much more of a mover. And so it's harder for her to sit, you know, she doesn't want to sit on your lap and read like your son does. And, I think so many kids are like that, that it's hard for them to sit still for a long period of time. And I think as parents, we kind of have this like Norman Rockwell vision of what reading with our kids should look like, Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I'm going to be in the comfy armchair and everyone's going to be gathered around my feet, wrapped with attention, you know? And I mean, that's just not the reality for a lot of kids actually on Instagram, maybe six months ago, I did a little time-lapse video of me reading aloud to my girls at night. So of course you couldn't hear anything. There's no audio, but you can see that they are just moving all around. You know, like one of them comes and brushes my hair for a minute and then then they go and they get a pencil and they're drawing something. And then they're kind of fiddling with a blanket and they're just kind of moving all the time. And I got so many messages from parents who were like, this was so helpful for me to see. I was putting unrealistic expectations on my child mm. to just sit really still for 30 minutes mm. and listen. And so I think if you'll give your kids something to do while they read, I, I, a lot of parents feel like, oh, I don't even know if my kid's listening, if they're coloring or playing with Legos. But most kids, and actually most adults, can pay better attention you know, their brain can focus if they're not trying to focus on keeping their body still. If they're doing something with their hands, their brain is actually more focused and can pay attention better. Yeah. And so, you know, I I try to think all the time of like, what are things that my kids could be doing while I read to them? So we have a lot of coloring, we have a lot of nail painting, we have a lot of Lego or magnetile building or um, dressing dolls or, you know, whatever that is for your kid that's interested in playing with Play-Doh they're able to listen and retain a lot more when they're moving. And then as a parent, it's less stressful when you can just focus on reading and not trying to control the environment so much.
0: And control them so much.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Uh, Yes. And I feel like you think I would have known this as an educator, (laughs) but I didn't really. And now looking back, I think of how often I was annoyed when kids were doodling while I was teaching or I tell them eyes on me, put down your pencils and I should have just let them do that. (laughs) and I feel like the first time that I really learned this was I heard an episode about it on the Read Aloud Revival podcast with Sarah McKenzie. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Because
1: I was going to talk about that episode.
0: Yes. And she, I think if I recall correctly, she said that she even has like, a basket of activities specifically for reading time. So her kids look forward to it. So she'll be like, it's reading time. And they go and put a blanket out on the lawn and they bring the basket and their kids, her kids all choose something that they're going to do, whether it's like wiki sticks or drawing or whatever. And then she reads to them. So it's like, they just love that time. Talk about like creating a positive association with reading with your kids.
1: Yes. And I've noticed even the same thing as an adult, like the audio books that I remember most clearly are when I was doing something. You know, I can remember exactly where I was walking or running in my neighborhood. Oh yeah. During oh, yeah. a you know high moment of action in a book or something that I was cooking because, you know, I was so focused on that audio book because my body had something to do
0: yes I remember listening to the end of a thousand splendid sons in the grocery store and I am not a crier (laughs) just walking down the aisles with tears like flowing down my face and I'm like everyone thinks I am a psycho right now but like the place the environment has stayed in my memory associated with that book
1: yes absolutely and it you know it wasn't like you couldn't listen because you were also grabbing eggs or milk or cheese or whatever yes And I think so many parents have some baggage of unpleasant reading experiences with their kids because they're trying for, they're trying for an ideal that really is not realistic for most kids. And so they feel frustrated. And so then they're like, can you just sit still? Can you just be quiet? And so then their kid's like, well, I don't want to read with you every time we read. You're mean, you yell at me, you know, and I mean, which, you know, I I have been there where you just feel like no one's listening, no one's paying attention. And I think if you can just kind of let go of that ideal of what it's going to look like and say, like, my job is to read the book and create the environment. Their job is to listen and to, you know, play with what they're going to play with and not expect them to just sit completely still.
0: Yeah. And even if they're not perfectly listening, they're getting a positive association with reading time and with their relationship with the parent that's reading to them instead of it being this stressful force thing. Because I do think maybe some kids have different. Noah is so locked in that even when he's playing Legos, I can say, What did I just say? And he'll like tell me word for word the last two sentences that I read. Whereas Sally's a little more distractible and sometimes I think she misses stuff when she's playing. But that's okay because we're just building this love of learning in as we're as I'm reading to her.
1: Yes. And I think that's such a great point is, you know, when you're reading with your kids, there's no quiz at the end. There's no book report. There's no, you know, test. My goal is to create a positive, like you say, association with reading. Mm. So if they miss a little bit of the plot here and there or, you know, a little dialogue, no one's going to die.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, Jansen, this has been so, so helpful. And I want listeners to know where they can find you and find some of the resources that you've created specifically for parents. I mean, you have a blog with years and years of content and resources. So where would you tell people to start if they'd like more of your work?
1: So I would start either with those 100 picture book lists. And if you just Google everyday reading 100 picture books lists, mm-hmm. they'll all pop right up. So those are easy to find. And then I also have a couple of book lists that are super popular one of them is read-alouds for preschoolers and kindergarten. So if you have a kid in about that three to six-year-old range, there's 30 suggestions on there for read-aloud books. So they aren't super long. Many of them still have some illustrations in them that are really good if you're kind of getting ready to make that transition into chapter books. And also, I just have to put a little plug here, is that you know, just because you're starting to get into chapter books doesn't mean you should be done with picture books. Picture books are so valuable. They have often much higher vocabulary mm. level because they're intended to be read by an adult generally to a child rather than a child reading on their own. So, you know, I think mm. there's sometimes just this rush to get out of picture books that there's so much value in picture books. It's so great for kids to learn how to put together that visual and text together. I mean, just a lot of skills in picture books. So, you know, don't don't be too fast to jump out of picture mm-hmm. books. Anyway, so that Read aloud list for preschoolers and kindergartners. And then also, I have a list of books like Mercy Watson and The Princess in Black, uh, which is a really popular list because those are books that are less than 100 pages but have chapters and they're Mm. um, more text heavy than say a picture book, but they still have full color illustrations in there. So that's, you know, if you have that child that's starting to read um, independently, but still needs a lot of illustrations to kind of help them along. Mm. And the visual stimulation of a full color illustration, that's a really helpful list also.
0: Great. And I will link all of those in the show notes. So moms can find those resources and Jansen, thank you so much for coming on three and 30.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. This was so fun.
0: That was so fun for me to geek out a little bit about books and reading. (laughs) Nothing like a fellow English literature lover. I hope these tips will be so helpful for you, especially as we head into this strange school year. By way of recap, Jansen taught us that in order to actually enjoy reading with our kids, we should first pick books that are fun for us to read with our kids. If you enjoy the books, you'll make more time for family reading, and it'll be a better experience for everyone. And don't forget that you can get creative and personalize this for your family. If you're too tired to read to your kids at the end of the day, could you read to them over breakfast or as a midday break? Or could you listen to an audiobook together at night while you snuggle? Make it fun for all of you, and the habit is much more likely to stick. Second, don't be afraid to quit a book. Some books just aren't the right fit. Your child might be the wrong age, it might just be a timing issue, or it might just be that the book doesn't interest one of you. If you decide to stop reading a book together, you're not teaching your child to be a quitter. You're teaching them that you don't have to pour more time into something that isn't working for you. And I also have to add that as a former English teacher, I loved Jansen's point that if your older child or even teenager continually gives up on books after just reading a few pages or chapters, They may need you to read the beginning with them and unpack it together a little so they have a foundation to keep going. Third, let your kids move while you read. Believe it or not, research actually shows that many children learn better this way. Their mind can focus when their hands are occupied. Let them walk around or play with Legos or color while you read. You'll be amazed at what a difference it makes and how much less stressful it is for you when you're not trying to control the whole experience. I hope these tips are so helpful to you, my friends. If they were, don't forget to leave a review of the podcast to let me know. I'm sending one care package each week in August to someone who leaves a review. And even though it's August 31st today, it's not too late to get in on that. Last week's winner left their review on Facebook and has been notified there. Thank you so, so much to all of you who've taken the time to do this over the past several years, not just this month, but over the past three years. It really means so much. As always, I'm cheering you on through the highs and lows of motherhood and I hope you have a lovely week with your family.